If you notice at the end of the reading of the gospel, the priest says, truly. Sometimes we say, amen. And actually those, are the two, those two words are identical. The Greek word amen means in truth, in truth. So it's not just the ending of, um, of a prayer. It's actually the verification that what has just been said is approved by the ones who, have, who are saying it. So one of the things that all of us should do after the reading of the Gospels, whether it be in church or at home, is to say truly and to focus on what is it that we're saying truly to and what is it in that Gospel that we like and what is it in that Gospel that we, try to, what, that we want to apply to our day-to-day -day life. And that's why it's helpful to think of this image of the mirror and the window whenever we think of the Bible and whenever we think of anything in the life of the saints as well. First is a window in that when we read the Gospels and even the Old Testament, we are reading a text and reading about stories that took place whether 2,000 years ago or more. And therefore, it's not a world that we are perfectly familiar with. It's a world that is a little different. It's separate from our world. It's kind of like a window. You're, when, you look, when, you, when you're going for a walk and you, you, uh, you, you peer into somebody's windows, you're looking into their world. So the first part of reading the Bible is always to look at the nuances of what is happening in that world. And then secondly, and very importantly, connecting that back to our world and to our daily life. So that's the mirror. How is what I have read or how is what took place at that time and place to different people applicable to me today? And regardless of how short or how long the gospel texts, us, gospel texts are, there are always so many elements of this window mirror that we can apply. In fact, there are a variety of different ways of reading the Bible, and one of them is simply to sit with one verse and reflect and read that verse over and over again and to see how that verse speaks to you. Um, we have in, on Sunday always a limited or a shortened version of the entire gospel just to give us kind of a, a tasting of what it is that uh, we want to focus on today. I particularly like this gospel for the many ways in which we can apply this window mirror element. First of all, when we think of the life of Jesus, we are, as I said, looking into a different world. Sometimes people misunderstand the gospels or don't apply it properly. When you watch a football game or a baseball game or any Olympics going on, when you watch them, you are looking into what somebody else is able to do and sometimes we admire those people because they're able to do something that we specifically can't do. So when we see somebody running that fast or jumping that high or doing anything, we're like, wow, um, there is no way neither that I can do it or most people in the world can do it. So we simply admire those athletes for throwing something or hitting something or doing something athletic or physical that actually we cannot do. So we can sometimes look at the Gospels and the life of Jesus in that way and the life of the saints. We can look at their life and say, wow, Jesus did all these things. This is something that I absolutely can't do. Or we can read a story of the life of the saint and say, well, amazing. They did all, this, the, all these things. Um, good for them. Let's put a picture of them on the wall and know that there's no way I can do any of that. Now let me get back to my ordinary life. That is not how we need to live the gospel. We need to first look, at the, look through the window, but then realize 
that actually every single thing that Jesus did and everything that the saints shine out for are things that we are meant to imitate and live. And for example, the very simple first part of this gospel text, gospel text, at that time a man approached Jesus without going any further, without even reading um, further into that line. Stop right there. A man approached Jesus. First of all, that's great. Look at that part of the gospel and say, it's wonderful that in the midst of the crowd, a man who had a need was able to approach Jesus. He stopped and Jesus stopped. That in itself is good. Now let's look at how we can approach that in our life. In the midst of the busyness of everything that we are doing, are we approaching Jesus for healing, for comfort, for joy, for satisfaction? And is Jesus on the top of our priority list, or are we busy with everything else that may be happening in our life? Are we approaching Jesus? We can stop there, and that would be enough for this entire gospel. But I invite you always to, in addition to listening to the homily, to prepare for the homily by reading the text which we send by email, Matthew 17, and also today with your family and with your friends to open up the Bible and say, what part of this text do we need to marvel at? Look it through a mirror, window, but then what part of this text do we need to look at our life? What did the man do? He threw himself on his knees before him. And sometimes these little, very short words actually um, point to a very long tradition in our faith within the Old Testament, also with the new of, of posture, church posture. When we come to church, we stand. Um, and sometimes we kneel during Lent, particularly we kneel. So there are times of standing, there are times of kneeling, and there are, of course, times of sitting when we are, um, when we are listening. Why are these postures so important? Postures are important for prayer because if we, uh, if we see something important, we stop, you know, window shopping. We stop, we look, we observe. We need to stop our life. In other words, our feet stop moving. When something is reverent and holy, we want to not walk. And kneeling became important because when you're on your knees, you specifically can't move. You can't walk anymore. So you're stationary. You're focused. You're in a position of humility. You're not in a position of power and strength. You're in a position of simplicity. You're in a position of reverence in front of the person that you are kneeling in front of, in this case, church. So this man kneeled. Once again in our day-to-day -day life, whether we're working, whether we're studying, whether we're doing whatever, what is our posture to Christ? Are we just running around or are we stopping and putting ourselves in a position that we can't get distracted with our phones or TVs or anything like that? Are we focused? Are we focused? How have we put ourselves in a, in a position of deep focus to Christ? So this is what this man did. The man stopped. The man approached Jesus. Jesus stopped. The man went on his knees. Now comes the next very important part of this gospel. He said to him, Lord, I could even stop there, Lord. I was going to go on to Lord, have pity on my son. But Lord, he recognized that the person in front of him, that Jesus, was greater than him. Lord, he's the master. He's able to give him something that he is not able to acquire on his own. 
And that is also another very important missing part in our faith today. We need to realize that all of us have a lot of comfort and luxuries. In fact, we're living in luxuries that no one else in the whole world lives in today, but no one else has had throughout all of eternity, all of time. No one has had the, the level of comfort and luxury that we have today. Is there anything greater that we need? And very often people say, no. I have money, I have a job, I have education, I have shelter, I have everything I need, I have health care. I don't need anything in life. And that is the mistake that we can sometimes make. Regardless of how successful you are, regardless of what you have, you still need Christ. You still need the Lord. So he stopped once again, and he said, Lord, are we stopping and saying, thank you for all the blessings that you've given us, but you are still Lord. I am not the Lord. Okay, he says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. So if you want to have a fun exercise, listen to the Divine Liturgy and count every single time we say mercy. Have mercy, have mercy, have mercy, have mercy. Why do we say have mercy so many times? For a very important religious point is that very often people think that God is a judge who is waiting for us to trip up to show us how wrong we are. And that's so wrong. God is the one who knows our weaknesses, and when he sees our weaknesses, he doesn't laugh. He doesn't, he's not embarrassed. He has mercy. We ask God for his mercy, and he has mercy. He knows our weaknesses. He sees our weaknesses, but he's waiting for us to respond with, Lord, have mercy. So this man knew well enough to say, Lord, to recognize him as the master, and he was smart enough to ask the Lord for his mercy. And then he moves on to a very important part of our spiritual life. He specifically tells Jesus what is wrong, why he needs Jesus. We don't just need Jesus as a powerful force. We don't just need Jesus to know that, he, that God created the, the heavens and the earth. We need to specify to Jesus in our prayers what is on our heart. We don't tell Jesus what we need as a to-do list. God, this is what you need to do for the next, during the next week for me. We speak in prayer. We share our heart. We share our concerns because our faith is a relationship with a living God. And because it is a relationship, God wants us to communicate. So this man today gives us a perfect example of prayer. He tells Jesus what he needs, what is wrong in his life, although he may have had many good things in his life. And then this gospel, when we look at it as a mirror, invites all of us. Today, we are gathered, we give thanks to God, but also share with God some of your concerns, some of your worries, some of your needs. Be verbal, be vocal, be, re be repetitive in telling God how, much, how grateful you are, but also telling God how much you need Him. And then two very other two very important elements of this gospel. Actually, every single verse, uh, I was trying to limit myself, but every single verse is so rich. The man had brought his son to the disciples. Now, when we think of the disciples, we think of the pillar of our faith. We think of the 12 that Jesus specifically chose. So in other words, if we are looking at their life, we might say, you know what? I wish I was one of those disciples. They are so much greater than I. There is no way I could have done what the disciples have done. 
But then when you look at the life of the disciples, you notice how very often they lost track or lost sight of who Jesus is and what he came to do. So what this shows us is that faith is not some sort of secret society where you need to get to certain levels to call to Jesus. From the time you're a child, from the time you uh, begin to walk, you can, need, you, can, you can start to pray. And regardless of who you are and what you've done in your life, you can turn away from the things that you have done that are not, wrong, that are not right and turn to Christ. There's no person who can pray for you and, and you, get, you get more points for that. Be confident that Jesus is listening to you today in the same way that he listens to a priest, a pope, a bishop, etc., etc. They could not, the disciples could not cure him, and Jesus goes on to tell them, because of your little faith. So the guiding mark here in this gospel is this word faith. Faith that is reached through prayer and fasting. Very often, people think of faith as a, as a feeling. Oh, you know, I'm a believer. I believe. That's great. But what do you believe in? And how are you expressing your belief? That is the key to living a faith that is real. And Jesus says, through fasting and prayer. And that's why today we read this gospel, and it's a perfect timing as well, because we begin a two-week two -week period of fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer reminds us to let go of certain things, not just food, to let go of certain luxuries that we can live without in order to be more appreciative of the things that we have. And prayer that reminds us to stop amidst all the other things that are fighting for our time and attention. We want to let all of those aside and create time for God. Because without fasting and prayer that leads us to a deeper faith, then the things on our lips, the things that we say, become meaningless. So I invite all of you to read Matthew 17, 14 to 23 when you get home and reflect on the wonder of what Jesus did. Reflect on the faith of this man who approached Jesus. Reflect on the lack of faith that the disciples sometimes showed. And then mirror that in your own life. How are you approaching Jesus? How are you living your faith? How are you growing in your faith? How are you sometimes far away from your faith and how you need to call out for God's mercy to bring you closer to Him and Him closer to you? So as we read this gospel, once again, we say truly. Let us say truly to the Word of God every day in our life and ask God's mercy to be upon us as we continue to grow from a period of... from a a position of weakness into a position of strength as sons and daughters of the living God.